and welcome everyone to Films with the Women in My Life. My name is Brennan, and joining me tonight on this bonus episode, we have, and I will do my best with this name, Alexander Ivichik. Ivichik? And uh, pretty close. How, how, how would you pronounce that? That's ah, pretty close. Ivishish. Okay. Uh, I would say, like, Ivishich. Yeah. Ivishich. Yeah, Ivishich. Yeah, it's, it's got, like, different accent marks above it, so Ivishich. I'm wondering how many you people know, can uh, get that off the back. Because yeah, people know on the show I put your names, but... Um, <laughs> It's a, it's a lot of I's and C's. And, well, uh, Alexander is a screenwriter and director. He has done quite a few films. And uh, I'm here <laughs> to talk to him about, you know, you know how these shows go. Uh, the background first, uh, Alexander, how did you get into the business in general? What's, uh, what's your background on that? Uh, honestly, you know, I was I, I was I would say I'm, I'm pretty blessed that I've been lucky enough to get my foot in the right areas. Uh, you know, they, they always have that whole like uh, right place at the right time. Um, my, my philosophy has always been that if you're never anywhere at any time, then you're definitely not going to accomplish much. So, <laughs> you know, so I, I, I've always just tried putting myself in as many places as I possibly could be as much as time allows it. So um, I happened to be doing a few films out in New York. I was on set for a bunch of projects and then met, met enough people to where, you know, somebody finally said, Hey, you know, I, I really like this idea. I think it'll, it'll do well. And, uh, and then we just said, you know, Hey, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's put it together. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've always, as even as a kid been playing around with, with cameras and whatnot. So it's, it's always been my goal to be a filmmaker. I just never really knew what direction to take. I never did college. So it was all just, it was all just mentorship and and uh, and you know being at being somewhere when I needed to be. <laughs> right. I know you got a couple actor credits, but you're mostly a behind the camera guy. Writing and and directing is the is the the name of your game. Yeah, yeah. I've I've never. So the only reason I've ever done any acting to begin with is because my uh, my mother actually pushed me into doing it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was always her dream to uh, to to become an actress, and we we immigrated here from the Balkans region in the oh, late okay. 1990s. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and her with her language barrier, she's always been fascinated by Hollywood, but it was never really her. Uh, she was never really in the position to be able to push it. So she kind of was like, okay, I'm, I'm pushing, you know, everything I wanted for myself, I want it for you now. And <laughs> so. that's a classic tale. We've, we've, we know how this one goes. Oh yeah. Uh, sounds like it came out. Okay though. Um, so you're one of your, I guess like more well-known films uh, beyond the call of duty. And I've talked to you a little bit off air about some of the challenges you've had with it. I know a lot of, uh, people we've had on the show you know they they're really proud of all the work they've done they don't really talk about things that didn't come up precisely the way you wanted and uh mm-hmm. i you know i want you to talk a little bit about uh, to what you're comfortable uh, how that how that film came out yeah 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 absolutely um so with beyond the call of duty that that project in general was uh, so you know a lot of the a lot of filmmakers will start off with um short films or music videos or like little mm-hmm. little videos so sure. I, I did a couple of projects in high school and it was just me messing around with my camera with a bunch of friends. You know, we, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Dragon Ball. So we like got okay, a camera. Yep. Yeah. And, and we just, I, I created some kind of bogus ripoff uh, storyline <laughs> that was kind of like a blend between Dragon Ball and the Bleach series. Oh, and, wow. you know, yeah, it was, it was, it was wild, but we, we just got a bunch of swords together and we 
had a camera and some audio equipment and we we shot a bunch of stuff but i would never say that it was that was like my introduction to filmmaking sure no it's the early messing around stuff right right so that was me kind of like seeing hey do i really want to do this is this fun and then I, i i skipped all of that i did a bunch of pa work on a few film sets and then mm-hmm. just out of nowhere, um, so originally Beyond the Call of Duty was written as a short film. Okay. And the people that were brought on board throughout the casting process and throughout the early development of the project all literally said, so we all sat down one day and we said, hey, you know, this is a this is a, a 40, I think it was a 42 minute short or 40, it was a 47 minute short. Okay. And, and they're like, this is a weird runtime. Like we need to either cut this down to 20 minutes or right. we need to just make it a feature. And yeah. that, that literally is how I, so we just said, you know what? Yeah, let's, let's do a feature. Let's do it. You know? <laughs> wow. It ends up being, what does it come in around an uh, hour 40 something hour? It's like, it's, it's not like a, you know, a 70, 80 minute movie. It's, it's pretty long. Right. Yeah. It, it's actually funny enough. Um, my original cut that I put together, uh, I know it's kind of a taboo for a director to edit their own film, but I did the first <laughs> cut. And the first cut was two hours and ten minutes long. <laughs> oh, oh wow! From from a forty minute short to t- yeah. a two two hour epic. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, and and you know, once uh, Green Apple Entertainment picked up the film as the distributor and uh, post production house, uh, they kind of looked at it and said, "Hey, you know, this is this is a short, or this is a this is an independent film. It it can't it really can't be this long. Like you guys right. need to this needs to be cut down." So there was there was a whole lot of post-production editing that you know uh, it almost kind of you know um i i think the Zack snyder cut of the justice league for example i know that was supposed mm-hmm. to be like a three and a half hour film or something crazy like that right and um when joss wheaton stepped in it got significantly reshot and recut and now mm-hmm. i think it turned into like a two-hour film so i would say that would be like the the independent film equivalent is what we kind of had to had to deal with now, I've had definitely a lot of people on the show who like they they'll make their smaller movie and you know it'll be an hour and fifty minutes and they'll be going doing like festival circuits and they'll get notes back like it's really good can you cut half hour I'm like whoa like it's it's you know it's especially when you're a smaller movie they want like that quick digestible you know ninety minutes yeah. or less kind of kind of thing so I'm, uh, I'm fortunate but I'm I'm not surprised it it happens yeah and that's you know. Uh, most most yeah, like you were mentioning most of the time that happens and that's okay um i think if we would have known that in the production process i think mm-hmm. we would have gone a little bit easier on the on the storytelling and because the the trick is is that because it's a two and a half or two an hour and ten minute film there's a whole lot of development that was taken out and right. it it had to so actually funny story so this is actually something i've, I've i don't think i've ever mentioned publicly before but so here's an exclusive (laughs) (laughs) love it first time first time you heard it here (laughs) uh so the 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 main character of the story was actually supposed to be the actor robert woodley's character right Mm -hmm. he was the captain of the squad he was supposed to be the lead and as the story was progressing and we had to reshape and recut the entire film by the time we finished the post-production process and narrowed this film down to the uh, hour and 40-something minute runtime that it that Green Apple was asking for, yep. the the actor uh, that plays the role of Keith Watzel, which is Kevin Tansky, he's a good, good friend of mine and also an executive producer on the project, yeah. the, the film was so heavily recut that his character ended up 
being the the lead the lead of the story (laughs) yeah not even exaggerating or kidding if you were to read the original draft of the project you would read it and go oh yeah you know uh you know robert woodley's character is clearly the lead and and (laughs) once once the whole thing was recut you're like oh my god he's not the lead anymore (laughs) (laughs) that is crazy you can actually cut it so so heavily that it doesn't even resemble. I mean, I, I know it happens, like especially with uh, when you have the original script and then director goes in yeah. different direction. But this is this is like a whole other thing, you know, with, with production completely changing, you know. And then obviously with the, with the footage you got at the end, you're gonna have to salvage is a harsh word, but like you know, make do with what with what you originally had to what the story now is. Yeah, yeah, and I think that was the biggest struggle with just trying to still tell a story that makes sense by with while cutting out 30 minutes of content <laughs> yeah, it's it sounds it sounds rough but i know you've moved on to some some bigger and better things uh, i know you've co-started uh, founded a uh, beyond logic studios uh, if you could talk a little bit about what that is which what you guys do over there uh yeah so beyond logic studios i uh, originally co-founded with um uh, jonathan lopez and uh, him and i have parted ways and he started his own production company um, since we, we kicked it off. Um, but uh, essentially, Beyond Logic Studio started off as just a um, production studio, uh, ergo the studio thing. So we, we had like a little studio space. We had a recording studio. We had all that. And um, after after him and I kind of went our separate ways and we started doing our own thing, mm-hmm. uh, I decided to turn Beyond Logic Studios into a production house instead. So I I produce people's content they come to me with a budget and say hey you know i want to shoot this and this is how much money i have to work with and then i'll, I'll sit down and i'll contract out with filmmakers sound you know and, and everybody and right. anybody so I'll, I'll do all the legwork to make sure the project is produced within that budget and um that's kind of what what so beyond logic studios is not really a studio uh i don't own a studio space i don't sure, own the equipment it's a, it's a name not a necessarily a literal studio <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, yeah i mean hey you know maybe maybe at some point i'll have to change that to beyond logic productions llc mm-hmm. instead of a <laughs> studio so but yeah i mean start getting questions <laughs> uh, i know people are gonna be like where's the studio <laughs> you're like yes yeah, it's, yeah, it's the name it's production it's not studio <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh um so yeah you did do some work there and then and uh i know you also do some uh well it's the group the 501st legion i'm not sure of our audience uh if they know what that is um i think hardcore star wars fans will will know the reference but uh, if you could talk a little bit about your work in in that organization yeah so the uh 501st i mean these these guys uh they accepted me into their ranks as family uh it was it was incredible i was actually going through a relatively tough time around the time that um, so John Cafe he's he's uh, the one of the members that that kind of pulled me into the 501st Legion mm-hmm. um, and he's he's been a great mentor to me in a lot of different ways and um, yeah when I when I started with the 501st and we started doing some of the charity work um, as Beyond Logic Studios I started doing videography and photography for them there's actually um, if you type, I think if you go on YouTube, I'm not sure if it might be on YouTube or it might be on Instagram. Mm-hmm. If you and if you were to type in um, 501st Hollywood Parade and then put Beyond Logic afterwards, mm-hmm. there's a there's a whole um, I want to say like five minute video from the Hollywood Christmas Parade and it's massive. It's it's huge, red carpet, oh, wow. tons of tons of uh, tons of uh, costumed um, Star Wars characters. And if I if I can find it, I'll uh, I'll put it in the show notes. 
Yeah, that yeah, that'd be really yeah. But that's that's kind of like one of my proud pieces that I worked on with the five hundred first. But uh, so if, I, I was I was working with the five hundred first a lot for at least a good two years, and I just recently became an official member about two months ago. So it's it's oh, been a long time coming. Thank you, <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. So I'm uh, officially uh, a uh, an imperial officer. So that's oh, nice. yeah. But, do you have um, the Do you have the, the uniform and everything? Yeah, yeah. So and everything has to be a hundred percent screen accurate. So the and right. these guys don't mess around because they're endorsed by Disney. So it has to, everything has to really be uh, spot on. Because these these right. guys sometimes get invited to events. I know it finally went public. I think a few months ago that members of the five hundred first were requested by John Favreau himself to come on set for the Mandalorian because they were short oh. on stormtroopers. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that that that's pretty exciting. I unfortunately I didn't get because I didn't have a uh, I didn't have a, a, a an Empire uh, stormtrooper uh, attire. Uh, okay. So unfortunately, I wasn't uh, I wasn't one of the ones that were invited to your drop. <laughs> you have just the officer uniform with the little hat and the the, the, the pin insignia. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, I, I'm I'm thinking I wanna I wanna wait till the Mandalorian ends. And I want to try to maybe find a character somewhere from the Mandalorian, just something a little bit more current, because everyone's got a lot of the old stuff and a lot right. of the First Order stuff. You know, there's tons of there's tons of First Order stormtroopers. There's tons of there's a bunch of Kylo Rens and some Darth Vaders. But um, do they do uh, prequel stuff. Do they do like clone troopers or anything, or is it mostly original uh, trilogy and and the new stuff? Because I know Disney's iffy on its yeah. want of you know they they kind of cherry pick out of the prequels what what they what they yeah. want. Yeah, so the cool the cool thing is is that the five hundred first and it's as its own entity has a lot of leverage to kind of do its own thing, and then if if it's something that Disney doesn't really want, they'll just not request it for their specific events. Okay. Um, so, but so we they do still have, have some autonomy. They're not fully, you know, at the, yeah. at the behest. They have they have some some wiggle room. Yeah, yeah. So you'll see you'll see characters from like Clone Wars, and you'll see characters from especially in the Rebel in the Rebel Legion. You'll see okay. tons of characters from the Clone War series, and um, and the cool thing is, is with with the characters that have a little more face, um, like uh, say you want to be a Jedi, you just really need like the traditional Jedi garb, and yep. then your face will do. It'll be fine. It's not like you need a specific <laughs> sure. helmet or a look. <laughs> so, I mean, you could always dress up as a as a Twi'lek or something, but I guess right. just human, just human Jedi will be fine. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And I mean, some of these some of these people's costumes are just. I mean, it speaks volumes when when someone like John Favreau reaches out to the 501st and says, Hey, you know, we, we trust your guys's, uh, uh, work so much that we want you to be in the Mandalorian instead of just mm-hmm. reaching out to say, you know, some of the, some of the costume designers that already build stormtroopers for them. Instead of doing right. that, they just said, Hey, let, let's bring in those 501st members. And I think that's such a huge honor from, Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Knowing that they, they, you know, they're, they're pretty rigid with their screen accuracy. So if you're not right, going right. to find a better group of people and two, we're going to take it seriously. Like this is probably a dream for a bunch of them. They could be in a Star oh, yeah. Wars show. Like, uh, and it's, it's so funny because the, um, there was an NDA that was signed by all the members and you know, it's, it's funny with NDAs. A lot of people think like, Oh, NDA means I can't talk about the project. Right. It also means you can't talk about the NDA too. It's like, <laughs> so there's people that are like, oh, I signed an NDA about the Star Wars project that I'm not allowed to tell you I'm working on. It's like, dude, you're not supposed to mention anything about it. That's what the. I was say you've already kind of half broken right there, like <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's it's too funny, but 
Yeah, I mean, that, once they, I think they released, uh, they went public with with an image um, of like John Favreau with like a bunch of the Five Hundred First members and some of the ca- uh, crew and cast from the film. That once they released that publicly, then it was kind of like, uh, okay, now you guys can talk about it. <laughs> that was your. That was the blessing. That was the. Yeah. Your, yeah. You've, you've been. You've been waved. <laughs> uh, I've. I've on the main show. I've gushed about Favreau, mm-hmm. not just for the Mandalorian, but for all of his all of his films. I think he's a fantastic director and makes consistently great work. So I'm no, glad. I mean, yeah. Yeah, the guy reaches out. Yeah, no, the guy's brilliant. Honestly, I, I, I would be extremely humble to even become half the director that that he is uh, down the road in my in my career. And just in case Favreau happens to listen to this, um, I am open as an apprentice. I currently have no film director <laughs> mentors. <laughs> I know we have a couple. We have California is one of our hubs for listenership. So if you if you if yeah. anyone has an in out there, uh, we got we have someone interested. Um, and uh, it, for that, uh, do you have any uh, upcoming projects, or if people want to reach out to you, what's like the best ways to get in contact with you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I have uh, so the Beyond Logic Studios uh, email is probably the best way. Um, any general inquiries would just go to contact at beyondlogicstudios.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll if, put that if, in the show notes as well for listeners if you want an easy way yeah. to find that. Yeah, that'll be perfect. And that's if you need any projects produced that goes for music videos, uh, you know, public performances, speeches, uh, short films. Um, all I really need is a, is a budget, and then I can start because uh, I, I that that's the one thing. Um, during the the two year or the three years that I've stepped away from feature film directing, mm-hmm. um, after Beyond the Call of Duty, I kind of took a step back and I said, you know, I need to I need to do some reevaluating and and do some growing as a filmmaker behind right. the scenes. And um, during that time, I just I did everything I could to you know get out there and network and build a build a community of filmmakers that you know at any point now, hey. If, if you happen to be missing a composer for your project and you really need one, I, I have access to several, you know, mm-hmm. and, and ones that'll work with several different budgets. If you want somebody who's who's really up there, who's professional, that's done some pretty big films and you have the money to pay for it, I've got that. If you need somebody who maybe doesn't have the the name but can work with your budget and still produce some really great quality stuff, I can, I can get you that too. So, um, yeah, anything and everything that you guys need to to get your projects off the ground, I, I feel about 98% confident that I can get it for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's a decent percentage. We'll take that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I know there's a lot of people who listen to the show who are either, yeah, either aspiring filmmakers or that we actually have some that are currently you know working in the industry, either writing, directing, some actors. So yeah, if you are looking to be hooked up with you know what you need for your project, it sounds like Alexander's going to 98% have you covered. Yeah, um, 98. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, so before we, we end the show here, I like to ask our guests what uh, their favorite movie is. Well, first of all, time. And then if you have anything you like in the past couple years, it's okay to have a couple. I know some people can't mm. narrow down to one. It's, it's difficult. Oh, um, yeah. Favorite of all time would be really tough. I, I enjoy films that have tragic endings. <laughs> I know that's mm. kind of a... Uh, uplifting I'm, I'm, we love it <laughs> yeah yeah no I'm, I'm huge into tragedy actually that's something that a lot of the original content that i've written myself um so J- jonathan lopez actually uh my uh original co-founder for beyond logic studios mentioned he goes man just one day he read through one of my uh new screenplay and we sat down and he goes man why why do all of your stories end in such a heart you know heart-wrenching like i feel like you just <laughs> took a knife stabbed me with it and twisted it 
Do you have an and, answer for him? <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I You know what it is? I think I, it's just things that I'm very... I'm, I'm an extremely emotional person. So mm-hmm. it's just stuff that I'm very, very comfortable with writing and stuff that I know that I can pull off. You know, a lot of... The, uh, actually, one of the screenplays... And I, I'm, I'm super open to... Because uh, all that stuff's, um, I'm part of the uh, Writers Guild, so like all that stuff's registered mm-hmm. and everything. So if somebody wants to read my screenplay, like I'm not one of those filmmakers that are like, I'm not going to send it to you, you're going to steal it. Like, it's fine. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm covered. I'm good. So if anybody <laughs> wants to read it, any of my screenplays, let me know. Um, I can, uh, Comatose is, is a big one that I'm trying to get produced now. And that has a very, very, very... I don't even know how, but just a very tragic ending. It's, it's it sounds like an uplifting title. Title just by the just by the yeah you know. right. And <laughs> it's and it's funny that the, the the title has its own kind of deep meaning to it without kind of mm-hmm. giving too much away. It's sure. more it's more than just it, it's not. So there's a very in your face reason for the title, which is uh, the main character's wife has been in a coma for for four years. Mm-hmm. But there's actually a deeper rooted meaning to that title that actually is a, a direct reflection of the main character himself. Mm. So so there's like a much, much deeper and that that's kind of the stuff. So as far as a favorite film, I, I think a favorite film that I've seen within the last decade and, and part of it is because of its really rich, deep story is mm. the film Cloud Atlas. I don't know if you. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. The, the Hanks, the th- yeah. three hour epic. It's 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 a big one. I, yeah, uh, and it, it's not. It's, I, I hate to argue with that. I, I, I do not care for the Cloud Atlas. <laughs> no, no, and I, I mean, and it, it's a very, it's a very, uh, it's it's a strange film. Like I had to the first, and I, I kid you not, the first two times I sat down, I kind of went. Uh, I mean, it's 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 okay. I liked it. I mean, it, it, I can appreciate what it is. But once I've watched it a, a few more, and I might be by maybe it's because I've seen it so many times that I was just forced to like it. But <laughs> it could be that because like, well, not that you were forced to like it, but it could be I. It's a it's a it's a rewatch film that like because there's plenty yeah. of movies that like are fantastic that you watch for the first time you're like I don't know yeah what so that was but the, the, there's like tons of stuff in the film that has to do with the like production design and set designs and even like costumes and props that if you pay enough attention as you're watching it mm-hmm. there's so much more connectivity outside of uh, of um of the visual and the verbal storytelling mm-hmm. there, there's so many layers to the film i mean there's characters that you know like one of them might be wearing like a little button on one of their suits and then you see that button way later on in a different story it's like little things right. so maybe maybe favorite film isn't the best way to put it but it's one of the films that i've seen in the last decade that i appreciate a lot especially i don't know if this is something you knew that is the highest budgeted independent film ever made that, that, that film I did is not, not a, know. I yeah. knew I, I knew the budget was. High. I didn't know what a, what constitutes independent film as far as like mm-hmm. the studios involved and you know what's what's it have to be to yeah to meet I, the criteria. I I, I want to say because that that film wasn't at all funded or backed by any major studios. It was later mm-hmm. distributed by a major studio, but sure. um, yeah. But it, I mean, the film was completely funded on an independent level without the backing of any major production house. And I think well, you've kind of convinced me maybe to go back and give it a second. T- I only saw it the yeah, once yeah. when it came out, so I, I and it just didn't. I was just like, all right, uh, I don't it's know like, what's it's going kind of on. Slog, here? but I liked like that that one scene in the cave, and I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's uh, oh, and you yeah. clearly have an affinity for like the Star Wars, Marvel, oh, yeah. like DC, all the 
based on you bringing them up uh, throughout the thing. And as of, well, I guess I'm the Star Wars guy. I'm not as much on the... Okay. Yeah, yeah. Marvel, Marvel. Marvel's okay. They, they kind of won me over. DC, have, they, they need to win. I, man, won me over. <laughs> I, I, and the, I'm, I'm a huge DC comic reader. So okay. I'm constantly just, I'm always sitting there going, man... I, 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 as a DC fan, because I have an, an, another show I've been on where two of the hosts mm-hmm. are DC fans, one's a Marvel fan as far as like the Ooh. comics go, and the Marvel fan is always like, well, our universe makes sense, <laughs> and it's fantastic, it makes all the money, and your universe doesn't know right. what it is, if it's a universe at all, <laughs> like, you know, is it, do, I mean, do you, do, is it all good, do you love it all, or is it... I don't, you know, and here's the thing, I, I think... I mean, Marvel is like Kevin Feige's brilliant. The stuff that they've been doing is amazing, mm-hmm. and and all of their productions, like they really put a lot of heart into everything they do. But I think a big part of what's been making these Marvel films so powerful and so successful is like the idea of this connection that all these mm-hmm. characters have. And uh, I mean, I'd like to say that their films are good for sure. I mean, there's a few misses, and and you know yeah, that, that's yeah, also kind of arguable. But I just you know uh joker just came out and broke a billion yeah and it and it and it outbeat even deadpool which i was ridiculously shocked at i thought fate of deadpool's is such a huge right you know franchise now ever since uh the first one i if there's anything that i thought was going to break a billion it was going to be maybe like a deadpool 3 mm-hmm. but i contributed um, to that too i saw it twice so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and yeah, we did it on so, the show so yeah yeah but, it's cr- it's crazy i mean i'm hoping dc just kind of i know their tv i don't watch t- uh, television so i haven't seen any mm-hmm. of the tv content but i hear that that stuff's doing great That's and good. um i know i don't know i i wish that Zack snyder got to do his full storyline because i know it, it almost kind of seemed like he was heading in the injustice route mm-hmm. and i really wish that they would have taken you know that the studio execs would have just let him do what he was originally going to do because it right. i think that's a huge thing there's too just too too many oh you know what actually yeah just like beyond the call of duty there's just so many hats right everybody's right everybody's putting in their own hey i think it should be this and i think it should be that and then it turns out to be nobody's vision you know it's right. just this hodgepodge made right. in a room with a bunch of random people and the vision is not cohesive and no no i mean there's there's that's why this whole's released the Zack snyder cut is such a huge thing now is because apparently Zack snyder's kind of i haven't seen it i don't know anybody that has but apparently it's so vastly different than the joss wheaton product that was put out that it really demands its own release mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's curious and I, I know we're running a little bit long i'll let you go here in a second but the the one thing i had a comparison to you know the factory made is mean to say but like made in a mm-hmm. boardroom you know 20 people have their hands yeah. in like versus a single writer director vision i look at the two most recent star wars movies in the yeah. trilogy not oh, yeah. rogue one and solo but you look at the first one it's jj abrams who is known to have a big team they have a lot of writers that movie whether you like it or not it's definitely um uh plays on the nostalgia a lot more than oh yeah last jedi which is Kind of the single, like Ryan Johnson had a very, very much his vision yeah. allowed to be carried out, and I know, I know most people prefer one to the other. Um, I I won't say which side of the fence I land on, but uh, um, I'll totally I'll totally throw in my two cents. <laughs> oh please, <laughs> I'm so I actually just recently watched the movie Knives Out, and oh. that was a, a Ryan Johnson film, We're and it was that brilliant. I'm very excited. Ah. Uh, it's it's so so good. It's so well done. I think the casting was amazing. I think it was really really well done. I think that if they just allowed 
J.J. Abrams to do his own trilogy and Ryan Johnson to do his own trilogy where they weren't kind of stepping on each other's toes toes with like the development of the story. That is a good point. That probably would have been better. (laughs) Yeah, because honestly, like I loved – God, I'm going to get so much heat saying this. I really, really loved The Last Jedi as a film, but I hated Mm -hmm. it as a Star Wars movie. That is – kind of i guess i will say that's kind of where i land i thought the last jedi is the most different like you could argue rogue one and solo are different just because they're not part of the main trilogy but of the main eight movies it's the least like any of them and it's Mm -hmm. way more a ryan johnson film than a star wars film a good movie but doesn't fit the universe very well having said that i uh, force awakens is my least favorite of the new movies i like standalones better i think last jedi is just it's it's a better movie mm-hmm. but i mean yeah you, you, it's just you look at you know jj J. abrams ryan johnson should not be directing movies in the same trilogy no and yeah and Very i mean different. uh the the original the guy who was doing uh, a jurassic world was originally oh, yeah, gonna Trevor do that colin trevor yeah yeah and i think if i remember right i don't don't quote me on this but i think he dropped out of doing that one or there was creative differences because he didn't like the direction ryan johnson was going with his so he said yeah, you know what was, there is conflict between between Trevor and I think Ke- Kathleen Kennedy as well, the, the head yeah. of the, the Star Wars Star Wars uh, team. No, don't, don't don't get me started on her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we have time for that. Maybe for no, another no. show. But um, Alexander, uh, it was nice to have you on. Uh, if you guys want to reach out to me individually, I am Brennan underscore Podhost on Instagram. Uh, Alexander, do you have an Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or any of that stuff um, to put out there? Yeah. Yeah, so on Instagram, you can find me at uh, Beyond Logic Studios. That's the studio. And then um, I also have a uh, my own personal one, which is just my, I, without having to go through and spelling it, I'm sure it'll probably be in the description, right? It'll, it's just my yep. f- first last name. Um, I'm not Insta-famous, <laughs> so <laughs> but I appreciate every fan that follows me. I, I'm very responsive, too, so if anybody reaches out to me and you guys need anything, like I'm, I'm there for you, whatever you guys need, I, I, whatever I can do to help. Awesome. And uh, yeah, I will put that in the show notes, uh, links to the um, to uh, Beyond Logic in the uh, show notes. So reach out to Alexander. Uh, I won't try to say his last name again there. If, if you <laughs> have anything, anything you want to talk to him about, any business you want to, you know, bring up. Uh, yeah, that's I think that's going to be it for for this episode. Uh, Alexander, thanks again for being on. Hey, no, th- thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Until next time, everyone. This is Brennan signing off saying thanks for listening. Thank you again for listening.